0: you anoint my lips, God, that I may speak your words. Lord, speak through me today, God, that we may lift you up and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated. There was a definite theme with our songs today, and it's probably no surprise that I will be preaching on freedom today. Hallelujah. This day is celebrated as Independence Day. Yeah. Hallelujah. Independence from an autocratic rule of British monarchy. Probably doesn't mean as much to people today as it did a couple hundred years ago. But uh, the 13 colonies wanted to separate themselves from... King George III, there were some things that he was doing that they didn't like, and they wanted to to separate themselves, and this nation was actually founded on July 2nd. Probably pastor's the only one that knows that. They voted on July 2nd to secede from Britain, but it wasn't ratified until July 4th. And so we as a nation celebrate July 4th. Hallelujah, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. They were wanting independence from something that was non-resident. We're here. The UK is 3,321 miles away from New York. And yet, even with that great distance, the, the King George III still had authority and power over the people even though it was non-resident. Thirteen colonies wanted to declare independence from King George because they didn't like his use of slavery. And so there was a push to absolve themselves from the British rule and political influence. All you have to do is look around the room... And you can see people that come from all over the world with the same desire. They come to the United States for something better. A hope and a dream of something better. And not all of them are coming from slave nations. I worked with a guy in Canada. He was from Iran. He was well off in Iran. He made way more money than I thought he would have. He was a rubber inspector. He inspected industrial rubber, and he was making about 10,000 U.S. dollars a month. And he had property, and he owned condos, and he had a family, and they were doing quite well. And yet, it wasn't the life that he wanted for his family. And so they moved from this spacious uh, penthouse apartment in Iran... To a tiny little condo and his two teenage uh, children had to share a room. One was a boy and one was a girl. And they were teenagers. Tell me how awkward that would be. Awfully quiet out there. Follow me. He chose to change his life for a hope of something better. Sometimes the desire for a better life precedes the formal process. It took me over a year to immigrate here from Canada, and it was expensive. And the final step of the process was to take a trip to Montreal and go through the interview. And everyone that immigrates from Canada has to go to Montreal, no matter where they're coming from. I think that is a financial hurdle that they set up to limit Access, Because if you can't get to Montreal, then you can't get to the interview, and then you can't get into the country. Some people desiring a better life don't wait for proper procedures. They want to they start bettering their life before they have everything set up in place. The church is really no different than that. How many of us really deserve to be here? Again, it's awfully quiet. How many of us have really earned our salvation? How many of us deserve to be here? And yet, we come because we desire a better life. We desire the freedom that we just sing about. How many of you have a past, a pedigree, or something that really should keep you from the things of God? I know I do the things that I have in my past or the heritage that I have, the legacy that I have. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us deserve it. It Says it right there. None of us deserve the glory of God. We've all fallen short, but we're here today. We're here now. Christ died for you before you deserved it, before you were worthy. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we didn't deserve it, while we were not worthy, he died for us. Before you were a legal citizen of heaven, Christ died for you. To give you a new heritage. The English Standard Version of Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Before we are worthy, before we deserve it, before we earned it, or before we were good enough, Christ died for us so that we could have a heavenly citizenship. That is our desire, is it not? Not that we can come into this air conditioned building, but that we can make heaven our home. That is the ultimate desire, is that we make heaven. Hallelujah, but it doesn't stop there with just him affording us the opportunity, but he gave us the power to change. The Holy Ghost gives us power to change who we were so that we could be acceptable into heaven. Your past mistakes do not dictate your future. Your heritage does not have to keep you from a better life. It doesn't matter where you come from or what you did to get here. Christ died for you. My earliest childhood memories are of hot knives on the stove so that people around me could smoke hash. Or people so drunk they passed out in the yard and they're urinating all over themselves. That's my heritage, that's my legacy. But Christ gave me the power to change that. It doesn't matter where you come from. God gives you the power to change your life. Paul said that he dies daily. Dies to what? He doesn't physically die every day. But he slays his carnal nature. He slays that, that fleshly desire that all of us have. He lays it on the cross and he slays it so that he can live an acceptable life for Christ. Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, Which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is why we come here to be reminded on a regular basis what we are trying to do. We're trying to make heaven. Let us not forget that is our end goal. So we meet on a regular basis so that we can see our friends and we can say, hey, are you still making heaven? Are you still going to heaven? Is that still your desire? We need to be renewed of our minds. We can't have the the pollution of this world try and detract us from our ultimate goal that we caught up in in these temporary pursuits, but we have to remember that we have this ultimate goal. And we learn what that perfect will of God is. How many of us knew what God wanted from us before we came to church? Not a hand went up. That was a good one. Hallelujah. But how are we going to know what God wants from us except we learn? So we come to church so we can learn. Hey, God doesn't want you to do that. Maybe you should try it this way. And then we will walk in that perfect will of God. Hallelujah. We come here to be free from the bonds of sin. To be free from the things that restrict us and keep us down. I remember I went to a church in Canada and they, they were introducing a brand new song. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. And I got all excited because I had heard the song before at my dad's full gospel church. They were Pentecostal, they spoke in tongues, and I was all excited. Yeah, we're going to sing a good song today. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. And I could feel the Spirit coming in the room. And it was a church of about 300. And I watched as the worship team got really uncomfortable with the presence of God. And in the middle of the course, they changed the song. And I was like, what just happened? You guys just quenched the Spirit. We were about to have a revival. The Spirit was going to come in. And they they didn't know what was happening. So they got uncomfortable. I don't ever want to be uncomfortable with the presence of God. It might be new. But I don't ever want to restrict God. But that is exactly what they did. And I will never forget it. How do you change a song in the middle of a chorus? It was the most weirdest thing I've ever experienced. It was like whiplash while you're singing. Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't wanna miss out on the greatest thing that God has for me because it's new. We're to die to self. We are crucified with Christ so that sin doesn't have power over us. How many of you, when you cook your bacon in the morning, have to wrestle the pig? None of you, right? It's already dead. It doesn't have power. You don't have to chase it around the kitchen. Just like your sin is dead. It doesn't have power. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are redeemed. We're redeemed. We are washed. We are set free. That sin does not have control over us. Romans 6 and 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? How many of you think about that? We were baptized into the death of Christ. Therefore, we are buried with him by the baptism into death. That like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It died, it has no power. Verse seven, for he that is dead is freed from sin. That is the pursuit. I don't want to have a battle every single day about what to do. I want to have the strength so that it becomes easier and easier and easier to live for God. I need to understand that sin doesn't have power over me. I can't just say, well, the devil made me do it. No, the sin has no power over you. We died to self. Sin no longer reigns in our body. We just read that scripture. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It no longer reigns. Christ is victorious. Hallelujah. But we don't say that sin no longer exists because it does. When the Israelites left Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They were were prisoners. They were were in bondage. Their taskmasters beat them. Now think about that. They were in slavery. Yet when God moved them out of slavery on the way to something better, they whined, oh, we wish we could go back to our old life. Now think about that. Why would you want to go back to prison? Why would you want to go back to slavery? They didn't know where they were going. Things were new. They were used to their taskmasters providing things for them, and yet they weren't used to the manna every morning. There's a miracle. Or the quail, there's another miracle. They weren't left destitute. It was just new and unfamiliar territory. So they longed to go back into bondage because it was familiar. How many of you want to go back to your life before Christ because it's familiar? You know what to expect. You're kind of used to it. Yes, it's dirty. Yes, it's painful. But at least I know what it is. How many of us want to go back to that? I'm thankful for the life that I live today. There's not one single day, not one single day that I go, oh. I want to wake up in the morning and see a drunk guy on my lawn. I've never had that thought. I've never opened the utensil drawer and go, how come none of this silverware is black? Never done that. I don't want to go back to that old life. Not once have I desired to go back into bondage. Sometimes this life can be unfamiliar. Sometimes it can be new. But that's the importance of finding someone that can guide you. Finding someone that can say, yeah, this might be new, but it's good. Let me explain it to you. Hallelujah. We've got to start developing new traditions. Find, Find someone that'll explain these new surroundings. How many of you even owned a suit before you came to church? I didn't. I didn't own a suit. Now I've got a few of them. Lifestyle's changing. I'm thankful for that. Hallelujah. It's a new life. And what comes with it is new traditions. But I'm thankful for these new traditions because of what it means. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for where I came from. I'm thankful that I grew up in Canada. I'm thankful for the heritage or the past that I have. Canada taught me manners. Hallelujah. People here don't ever say please. They say, gimme, or could you? Yeah, I could. I'm capable. Want to say please? Doesn't happen. And when you you say thank you, what do you hear? "Uh Uh-huh. Not, you're welcome, or my pleasure, it's, uh uh-huh. So I'm thankful that I grew up in a place that had manners, taught me a little bit of etiquette. I look back on that, and I'm never going to go back, because life has elevated me, but I'm thankful for my past. If you come from somewhere, you can look back and say, I'm thankful I don't live there anymore. It taught me the value of what I have today. You don't have to abolish the memory, but you can hold it as a contrast to where you are today. Today, I live free. Back then, I was in bondage. Back then, I woke up sick. Back then, I didn't know where I was going to eat. Back then, I didn't know if I had a roof over my head. And you can contrast your life. And I'm thankful for what God has done for me today. Hallelujah. Don't forget where God has brought you from for those milestones and memorials. You remember that he pulled you out of the miry clay. We've talked many times about building those memorials. The Israelites were instructed to build memorials so that they would remember where they came from. We need to persevere through the newness and unfamiliar territory. How many people come to church and they have a great time, but they don't last very long? They're here for a month, they're here for two months, and then they just go back to their old life. Did you not have a great experience? Yes, I did, but it was a little weird. But there's blessing around the corner. You're giving up before you get the blessing. The Israelites, they didn't know where they were going. They gave up before they got to the promised land. They ended up wandering around. Yes, you might be in church for 40 years before you make heaven. But you're still going to make heaven. Awfully quiet. You're still going to make heaven. Even if you live another 40 years. Hallelujah. And all along the way, God is going to show his mercy and his grace. The Israelites experienced miracle after miracle after miracle. God showed them on a regular basis. He didn't abandon them. Every morning they had to wake up and go and pick the manna. Every morning, God's mercy and grace was there. Hallelujah. 2 Kings 6 tells the account of Elisha and his servant. I love this, because the servant is like, we're surrounded. He's being pursued by the king of Syria. And the servant is like, I don't know what's going to do. What what are we going to do? And Elisha prayed that he would see what he wasn't able to see. And God opened his eyes and he could see that he was surrounded by hosts of angels and chariots and horses that outnumbered the king of Syria's army. We are not abandoned. God is with us everywhere we go. He desires that we make heaven, He's not going to forget about us. And Elisha prayed that, that God would make the enemies blind, and he did. So Elisha and his servants just walked out. No problem. They can't see me. I'm invisible now. If you keep your eyes focused on God, your enemies won't even know you're there. Come on now. God doesn't desire evil for you. He desires good. Who knows that scripture? Hallelujah. He's not going to abandon you. We just preached on this. God will not forsake you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you ever felt that you're being pursued by your enemies? Have you ever felt that they've got your number, they've got GPS, and they're, they're chasing you down? Your, your past is catching up to you? Your bad habits are catching up to you? Hallelujah. Old friends keep calling you. Am I the only one? Your past sometimes chases you? Hallelujah. We need to remember that you're not alone. There's that host of angels around you. Someone asked me a question the other day. I didn't know the answer. I'm like, Can I phone a friend? Hallelujah. I remember the conversation now. We're talking about keeping money in your pocket. I don't like cash because if it's in my pocket, I buy things I don't need. I will stop and get a soda. I will stop and buy a coffee. I will just spend it because it's in my pocket. And the person's like, Well, what happens if your car breaks down? I'll phone a friend. I'll call someone to pick me up. I don't want to carry cash. Hallelujah, but you're not alone. God is with you, hallelujah. Even if you're being pursued by your enemies, you are not alone. God knows where you are, hallelujah. You can still be free, hallelujah. We wanna be free from our past. We wanna be free from our hurts. How many of us want a better life going forward? We wanna wanna forget those wounds and those pasts. I've got scars, I've got wounds. I can tell you that I'm not overly proud of my childhood memories, those are scars. But I don't wanna repeat those, hallelujah. I wanna be free from that. But what are you willing to do for your freedom? What are you willing to do so that you are not stuck in slavery? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to live this life for Christ? Whatever it takes. Not forsaking the gathering together as some may do. You have no idea the value of corporate worship. It really is important. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, that's this all the time, not forsaking that, don't forget to do that, it's important, why? Because uh, as the manner of some is, some forget, some think that it's not that important and they, they just don't come to church, but we exhort one another, we come to church to exhort one another. How many of you know what exhorting is? Strongly encourage We have these encouragement cards. How many of you are using it? Don't raise your hand. But fill one out. Give them to people. Exhort one another. Right? Hey, I really appreciated this. Thank you. That's why we come to church. We build these relationships. We exhort one another. Hey, it's good to see you. Are you still making it to heaven? Good job. That's why we come together. We're not alone. I feel like I'm alone up here. It's awfully quiet out there. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so much more as you see the day approaching. When we start going through this life, it gets harder and it gets harder and it gets harder. And sometimes we feel like we're alone, but we gotta exhort one another and encourage one another. When it's getting harder, you need more encouragement. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. Hallelujah. You can do this. The Bible says that we need to strongly encourage one another. Not just, hey but really encourage one another. Hallelujah. I say this often, that there's a value to this corporate worship. Jesus said that you're my brother. You're my sister. We are family. We are in this together. And as a family, we we support each other. We lift each other up so that we can all make heaven together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We all want to make heaven. But what are you really willing to do for it? What are you really willing to do for your salvation or maybe for someone else's? The Civil War was fought between April 12, 1861, and May 9, 1865. For over four years, there was war in a supposedly united nation. Over 365,000 people died in that war. That was over 10% of the population of the country. They went to war over slavery. There was about 13% of the country that that was in slavery. 13%. So for, for a small portion, 87% of the country went to war for the sake of a few. Are you willing to go to war for those that don't know who Christ is? Amen. Statistics say that there's, there's about uh, 37% of the Americans identify themselves as Christian. That's one in three. I don't think that number's right one in three identify themselves as Christian but let's just assume that that's correct that means there's 209 million people that don't know who Christ is that don't have that freedom that don't know who God is and they are still slaves to sin The Civil War was fought by many that weren't impacted. You need to have a burden for those people that you don't know. Many people went to war for people they didn't know because the cause was just. Making heaven is just. It's worth it. Are you willing to go to war so that people you don't know might make heaven? Or are you content to let them stay slaves? Slaves to sin. Bound in bad habits. Bound in, in things that they, they uh, get stuck in. Are you willing to fight for the freedom of others? We stand in this country and we're thankful that we live free. But what are you doing with that freedom? Are you working to better freedom for everybody? Or are you just content that you and you alone are free? Are we willing to invest the time and energy into someone else's salvation? Is them making heaven important enough to inconvenience you? We sing the song. We don't fight with bombs and guns. Worship is the way the battle is won. We go to war through intercessory prayer because we know there's a God that can answer prayer. Hallelujah. And that's why if we're praying for someone in another city, in another state, in another country, it is still a valid battle because we can go to prayer. Hallelujah. You might get a phone call in the middle of the night from someone that needs you. Someone that is being chased by their past demons that needs to phone a friend. Are you willing to take that call? Is their salvation gonna be more important than your uninterrupted sleep? What if they need to go for lunch or coffee? Are you willing to sacrifice a couple hours of your day so that you might help someone secure their salvation and stay free from the bonds of sin. We're talking about freedom today. We're talking about Independence Day, right? Well, are you willing to exercise your freedom to help someone else maintain their salvation? Hallelujah. Stand with me. Are you willing to fight for someone else's soul? Do you check in with people when you don't see them at church? Hey, how are you? Are you sick? Do you need something? I missed you. Are you still making heaven your home? Do you do that? Or is that just the pastor's job? The Bible talks about us being our brother's keeper. That means that if it's within your ability, you need to to help your brother out, your sister out. You need to hold them accountable. You need to to be there with them. If it's within your power, you need to help them make heaven. You are your brother's keeper. We read about joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. How bad do you want that? How bad do you want joy that is so great, there's no even words to describe it? It's unspeakable because there's not even a descriptor that can give it justice. I want joy unspeakable. I definitely don't want sorrow unspeakable. I want joy unspeakable and full of glory. But what are you willing to do so you get that? There's a myth out there that says all you need to do is accept Jesus. That's not true. He needs to accept you. You need to make yourselves acceptable. Romans 12.1 says you need to make yourself a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. You need to give up that life of destruction and pain and sorrow. And then God will replace it with a life worth living. A life worth living. Joy unspeakable. Hallelujah. Blessings and blessings and blessings, and miracles, and miracles, hallelujah. That's why we have the miracle wall. Not because we couldn't find a picture to put up there, but to remind us that there is a living God that is still blessing his people, that is still pouring out miracles. This altar is open. If you wanna be free, if you wanna be really free, I invite you to come down. Lay down your life. Hallelujah. And decide to live for God. Give God your selfish desires. Give God your hopes and dreams and let him give you a life worth living. Galatians 5 and 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, which is self-control. Against such there is no law. You start living for Christ. What you will get in return is love, peace, joy, patience, self-control. That is the life that I want. That is the freedom that I want to live in in this Independence Day. Hallelujah. Because living in the world, I don't get those. I don't get that fruit that is worth enjoying or sharing. Hallelujah. And I'm definitely not willing to fight for someone else's sorrow, but I am willing to fight for someone else's freedom And I'm willing to fight for someone else's salvation. Hallelujah. Again, this altar is open. Let's worship God.